Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Billboard Pop Shop Podcast. I'm Keith Caulfield, Senior Director of Billboard Charts. And I'm Katie Atkinson, Billboard's Deputy Editor Digital. Happy post-Grammy week, if that's a thing, Katie. Yeah, post-Grammy day, daylight saving day, Oscar nomination morning, etc. Oscar nominations, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, it's been a it's been an entertainment filled weekend to say the least. Do you have news on that? Is that coming up in the show? Can it be? I, I wasn't planning on it, but I'm happy to talk about it if you'd like. Perfect, because I feel we'd be remiss if we didn't mention that. Good, we gravy. can mention it. Um, uh, well, you get on that, and I'll start. <laughs> um, as always, hey, the Billboard Pop Shop Podcast is your one stop shop for all things pop on Billboard's weekly charts. In addition, you can always count on a lively discussion about the latest pop news, fun chart stats and stories, new music and guest interviews with music stars and folks from the world of pop. Today on the show, we've got enormous, enormous chart news about how Drake once again makes chart history on the Billboard Hot 100 as he debuts at numbers one, two, and three. With his latest three new songs, plus Bruno Mars and Anderson Pack's new super duo Silk Sonic debuts in the top 10. Plus, while everyone was watching the Grammy Awards on Sunday from home, I was one of just a few dozen reporters who covered the event from the Grammy's official virtual press room. So I will be taking you, quote unquote, backstage to reveal what you did not see on TV on Sunday. But first, before we get started, if you enjoy the podcast... Subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast provider so you won't miss an episode. And if you want to explore more podcasts from Billboard, visit billboard.com slash podcasts. Okay, so let's do the chart chat. On Drake's new single, What's Next? He raps, quote, I'm on the hot one hundo numero uno, end quote. And you know what? He is. He is. He is. Uh, What's Next debuts at number one on the Billboard Hot 100, or the Hot 100 for the rest of us. Becoming... We're renaming it, actually. We, we could just rename it that. <laughs> yeah. Just just give Drake another part of the charts. I mean, what part does he not already own? Uh, it becomes Drake's eighth number one on the Hot 100. But he doesn't stop there, as his other two new songs, Once and Needs, featuring Lil Baby, and Lemon Pepper Freestyle, featuring Rick Ross, debuts at number two and three now with those three debuts drake becomes the first act to debut at numbers one two and three concurrently and just the third act to occupy all three spots at the same time following ariana grande and the beatles on top of all this drake also extends his record for the most top tens ever on the chart now with a total of 45 top tens man and so how did drake himself react to the news i don't know how did he react katie I'll tell you how he reacted, Keith. In a word, as he wrote on his own Instagram, where he has reposted the top 10 chart, splashy. Splashy. Quote, unquote, splashy. It's pretty splashy. <laughs> it. I mean, if ever there was the correct use of the word splashy, this is it. <laughs> I, was, I was joking a little bit internally with the rest of the charts team. I'm like, you know what? It's only going to be a matter of time before the entire top 10 are just debuts from Drake. Uh, it is it's I'm guessing he likes the fact that the one that is just him solo is number one that's great and then the other two each have their own kind of narrative for one is featuring Lil Baby who obviously is one of the hottest new rappers right now and the other features Rick Ross and also has kind of more of a um you know autobiographical 
tinge, you know, gets a little, he spills a little tea in there, etc. So it's, everything's got like a, you know, a hook. And then the one that's number one is just Drake. Yeah. So. Well, the entire top four on the Hot 100 actually are debuts as Bruno Mars and Anderson Pack's super duo Silk Sonic debuts at number four with their track, Leave the Door Open. Uh, I'm sure I'm, I'm sure Bruno and Anderson would have loved to have had some advanced word if maybe Drake was dropping those three songs uh, the same day as Leave the Door Open. Uh, do we know where Justin Bieber is, Keith? Not to put you on the spot. Outside the top ten, Katie. Not in the top ten, I see. No, Justin Bieber's new single did not debut in the top ten. It's a pretty tough week. Uh, clearly. Yeah, um, uh, speaking of other songs, uh, uh, all this also means that Olivia Rodrigo's driver's license, which has been number one for eight weeks running, uh, finally vacated the top slot. It slips to number five this week. Was that its last week at number one? We don't know. It could always come back. Yep. Yeah. Um, well, let's go over the numbers on Drake and leave the door open uh, because that's what you came here for. What's Next starts with 49.1 million U.S. streams and 19,000 downloads sold in the U.S. in the week ending March 11th, according to MRC data. It also drew 11.9 in 11.9, just 11.9, 11.9 million in radio airplay audience impressions uh, in the week ending March 14th. Once and Needs starts with 45.1 million streams, 17,000 sold, and 2.1 million in audience. And Lemon Pepper Chicken, nope, Lemon Pepper. <laughs> Freestyle. Freestyle. Freestyle starts with 32.1 million streams, 15,000 sold, and 869,000 in radio audience. Uh, Leave the Door Open, meanwhile, opens with, <laughs> the door opened, it opens, never mind, with 23.2 million streams, 27,000 sold, and 23.5 million in airplay audience. A, a much bigger radio hit. Uh, than any of the Drake songs, actually. Uh, But I guess that's sort of to be expected, considering uh, Bruno Mars' profile with uh, radio. For the full rundown of all the exciting action on the Hot 100 this week, because there's more than just what I just talked about. There's so many more more things going on. Uh, Check out Hot 100 chart manager Gary Trust's story on billboard.com slash chart dash beat. (sighs) Well, over on the Billboard 200 albums chart, the chart that I happen to manage... You'll never guess who is number one, Katie. I I don't want to play this game, Keith. Fine. I abstain. I abstain. Well, that's right. (laughs) You guessed it. Morgan Wallen's Dangerous. The double album is number one for a ninth straight week. It now has the most weeks at number one since, hey, look, Drake with Views Hmm. back in 2016, which had 13 non-consecutive weeks at number one. Dangerous also has the most weeks in a row at number one. Since Views also notched its first nine weeks at number one. I mean, so is he going to be number one again next week, Keith? Number one for the rest of the year, Katie. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Um, actually, <laughs> last Friday saw the release of some high-profile um, albums from the likes of Nick Jonas, Selena Gomez, and Rob Zombie, among others. Uh, and, of course, the Grammy Awards, which we're about to talk about in a second, were this past Sunday. And that could shake up the chart as well, maybe bring back a former... Number one, back to the top of the chart. I don't know. We we shall see. We shall see next week. Indeed. And, you know, before we get into the Grammys, why don't I tell you about the Oscar nominations real quick? Yeah. I'm. Uh, <laughs> we have, there is definitely a friend of the podcast that is nominated this year. Well, we'll we will start with Best Original Song. Uh, and the nominees are Fight For You from Judas and the Black Messiah, which belongs to her 
who also won song of the year for this for uh a different song it was uh i can't breathe song of the year and this is fight for you but she uh co-wrote it with the same crew actually hmm. so they had quite the weekend and then uh hear my voice from the trial of the chicago seven which is uh music by daniel pemberton and celeste okay and then we have husevic from eurovision song contest ah. the story of fire saga course which is an incredible movie and i love that they can now call themselves an oscar nominated movie can't wait to hear um, you pronounce all these songwriters well i know how to do savan katecha yep there we go uh, <laughs> uh fat max jesus i'm gonna go with i'm not even sure and I, I, I googled that person the other day i'm like are you real apparently he's a real person <laughs> and ricard Gorenson. actually that wasn't so hard at all um the next one is uh ioc parenthetical title scene and that's from The Life Ahead. That one is perennial Oscar favorite, Diane Warren. Friend of the podcast. And she also, she co-wrote that with Laura Passini, who, uh, who I believe performs it and also wrote the Italian translation of the song as well. Huh. Um, next up is Speak Now from One Night in Miami. And that one is from Leslie Odom Jr., who stars in the movie as Sam Cooke and also performs the song. And he wrote that with Sam Ashworth. And those are the five songs nominated for best original song. Congrats, do everybody! In, I, I I don't. Do we need to get into score? I can give you score if you'd like it. Well, you seem to suggest that you were going to tell us score. Okay, well then I'll tell you okay. score. Um, first up is "The Five Bloods," which is uh, scored by Terrence Blanchard. Then we have "Mank," which was Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross. And while we're talking about them, we will also say "Soul" also was nominated. From Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross and John Batiste. Wow. Then there's Minari, which is Emile Masseri. And finally, News of the World by James Newton Howard. Oh, what if, uh, what if Mank and Soul tie and Reznor and Atticus Ross somehow become double winners in the same category because they tied themselves? Ooh, that would be a fun story. I don't see it happening. Let's make it happen, people. <laughs> Uh, so there you have it. There's the uh, the little quick rundown on uh, on Oscar noms before we talk about the show that just transpired on Sunday, the Grammy Awards. And you were there, sort of. I was, yeah, let's call it there. I mean, I was actually here, exactly where I'm talking from right now in my garage. Um, but I was in the virtual press room, um, which they did actually keep pretty limited uh, as far as who was able to ask questions of people who popped in. Um, every winner uh, for the night and presenter were invited to uh, speak we're if they invited. wanted to. Mm. Yes. Okay. Well, I mean, of course, not everyone did. Um, and and how it worked was how it works normally, which is that if you win, you uh, have to wait for all of your categories to be read if you are nominated for for other awards before you go back to the press room. Oh. So that was a little interesting wrinkle because at the end of the night, you know, there's kind of a log jam, you know, Dua Lipa's waiting to find out if she won album of the year, record of the year, song of the year after she had already won pop vocal album. So um, she has to decide after losing all of those top awards to then come talk to us, which she kindly did. Oh, so that's really great. <laughs> Another friend of the podcast. We really appreciate Dua. So 
Um, and I was kind of Keith and I really have not ta- spoken too much about this. No, yet. we pur- I purposely told Katie, don't tell me about what happened. I mean, I know that she was there, and you 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 basically started your day with the pre telecast, the premiere ceremony that starts, I think, at like one p.m. Pacific, maybe. It starts at noon Pacific, and we had to be in the virtual press room by eleven thirty a.m. So my day started pretty early yesterday. Sunday, which uh, also, because of daylight saving time, felt like 1030. You know, so norm- normally, in any normal year, uh, Katie and I would normally be at the actual physical ceremony that early in the day. Yep. Because for the past, I don't know, eight years or something, I have been part of uh, Billboard's red carpet coverage, which means you have to be there usually when the red carpet starts at like 1130 or noon in the day. And Katie has to be in that press room for like a good eight hours in a row. So, right. So that was nice. It was nice to, <laughs> yes, it was much easier to take bathroom breaks and get snacks. Yeah. Uh, for sure. <laughs> um, but uh, as you said, like that red carpet starts so early because for the bulk of the nominees, their awards are given out in this pre-tell ceremony. Um, and that starts at noon. And so uh, all of those winners uh, who joined us in the press room after winning in the pre-tell ceremony all were coming from their homes. They were all coming from across the world. So it was very cool. Like people just joined us from all over the place. And it was kind of like doing our meetings at work, you know, like you saw people's offices or, you know, whatever, like uh, all the strokes were gathered into one room for uh, their best rock album win. Oh, the strokes showed up. Oh, cool. The strokes showed up. Yeah. Um, Oh, right. You don't know anything, Keith. No, I don't. I don't know anything. And neither do our listeners. (laughs) Um, you, as you know, I am a country fan. So whenever there was a country act who came through, I, I made an effort to, to ask a question. So I was able to speak to Dan and Shay, uh, yesterday who won for 10,000 hours featuring Justin Bieber. For best country and performance it was, by a duo or group. Exactly. And it's the, they're three for three in that category. Wow. In three consecutive years. Wow. So they've won that same award for the last three years running. So they keep beating Brothers Osborne, basically. <laughs> basically. <Yeah. laughs> and, th- or, you know, Little Big Town, Lady A, there's a million country groups. Wait, wait. Oh, I thought they were all, you know, on, they, they all won something too. No, they didn't. Never mind. You know, I'm, I'm telling you, like, those people already, or always put those, uh, you know, great songs out too. But Dan and Shay, three years in a row. Um, so I got to ask them a question, uh, and I asked them about... Uh, uh, just kind of getting to celebrate this song and when they might be able to actually celebrate in person with their collaborator since they haven't really gotten, they said they didn't really even get to celebrate it going number one with him yet. You know, like they're, they're just waiting to hope, hang out with Justin hope, Bieber. Hope they FaceTime Justin <laughs> last night. Jeez. Yes. And then um, uh, I also spoke to Billy Strings. Are you familiar with him? Uh, no. He's like a bluegrass guy, but he's a young guy in kind of a, you know, older dominated field. Uh, very uh, talented. And he actually has done some uh, music recently with Luke Combs that's gotten a lot of attention. Um, so he was fun to talk to. And then uh, I was talking about people winning awards earlier in the night that they were all coming from home. But then shifting to the telecast the first winner from the telecast to uh, talk to the press room was uh, Kate Trinata, who had been nominated for Best New Artist. Once that nomination went to Megan The Stallion, he was able to talk to us because he won d- uh, two dance awards in the pre-tell ceremony. I see. So that 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 was the first person who like actually 
beamed in live from downtown Los Angeles. All of a sudden there was a step and repeat. You know, there was a guy handing him a microphone. There was professional cameras. The, it fully how, switched okay. at that point. So question, how did they, mm-hmm. so normally the way it works in the press room, because I've actually sat in that press room possibly with you. Yes. Um, I can't even remember, how do they figure out in a normal setting who gets to ask the question? And then comparatively, how do they do that for the virtual event? Yeah, I mean, in the room, you literally stand yourself up and walk to a microphone. There's two microphone stands on the left and right-hand side of the room, and it's kind of a race to see who gets to it first. Um, And in this situation, we've all used the raise hand function on Zoom. So we were doing that, but then you were at the mercy of, you know, whether the moderator called on you because they were in charge of muting and unmuting you. So it wasn't a free-for-all. So they, But they could see what outlet you were with and... Yes, Maybe we actually had to all change. With the we had to change our Zoom names to first name outlet, so they knew who everybody was. Katie yeah. at Billboard. <laughs> exactly. Got it. So, um, in the main telecast, uh, the first person I got to ask a question of was Miranda Lambert. Oh, amazing! S- super excited about that, and um, she specifically won for Best Country Album, which is a uh, an award she'd won before. And I just asked her whether it was, you know extra meaningful to win for a full body of work like that. And she went into a whole thing. She's like, I'm an album artist. I love making albums. Like, you know, this is um, still super like, she's like, this uh, signifies a time in my life. Like when I put out an album, it's helping me get through a time in my life. And it's telling the story of a time in my life. So I, they're like little time capsules of my life. Hmm. So it was a really great answer. Um, to that question, she went for Wild Card is the name of the album. Yes, the she did, and she performed yes, she the she song. Performed. She performed the album's Bluebird on the show, I believe. Yep. So she won uh, the award for best country album on the telecast. Came backstage, talked to us, and then went out and performed Bluebird. That oh. was the chronology of that. Which, How when weird. she popped back, I'm like, I can see the run of show, and I can see she still hasn't performed. And I'm like, oh, damn, she's going to go back out there and perform after this. Like, so what a pro That's to unusual. do the press first. Yeah. I would have assumed so, that they would have had the those countries because there was three country performances mm-hmm. on the show. Mickey Guyton, Miranda Lambert and Maren Morris all in a row. And I thought they would have. I missed that part of the show. I wasn't. I did. They 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 made the country album thing before that on the show. Oh, yeah. It was much Weird. before that. Yeah. Oh, wow. Probably like 45 minutes before that. Yeah. Huh. Mm-hmm. All right. That was you should go back and watch that string of performances though. It's very cool the way they made them kind of fluid and oh, then I did they see those showed three. Absolutely. Yeah, okay, good. They showed all the ladies um like, you know, singing along to each other's songs like off to the side of the stage. I thought that was really cool. Um As a general so aside, I mentioned, as a general aside, um, yes. not to sort of disrupt your flow here. No. But, um folks, if you haven't seen the Grammy Awards, it was done differently than every other music award show that we've seen during the pandemic. And a lot of the performances were kind of staged in a, in a quasi in the round scenario where you felt like they truly were live and happening on Sunday. And it felt, it felt live. It felt exciting. Mm-hmm. It felt like some, anything could happen. And it was also cool to see like the artists watching each other. Cause Harry Styles opened the show with watermelon sugar. And then they segued to Billie Eilish doing everything I wanted and you saw Harry watching Billy across the room, like literally across the room in the same room together. It was pretty cool. Well, and most memorably, you got to see Post Malone watching 
uh, Cardi B and Megan Thee Stallion live. Yeah. Which is, and so everyone was just, sta- Post Malone was standing in for everybody at home watching, basically. Yeah, I was like, why are you in there? And then I realized, oh, wait, because he was going to do Hollywood's Bleeding later on, probably mm-hmm. across the room from them. Yep, yep. I guess. Or maybe he just really um, wanted to see it and popped inside. I don't know. <laughs> My final uh, notes of the night, because Miranda's the last person I got to speak to. I tried to ask a question of our friend Dua. She only took two questions. She was the last person um, in at the end of the night. But she also had great answers, especially about how many women won top awards this year. Um, she had a great answer about that. The whole, the, all um, the big four went to women this year, at least yep. at, at least in in impartially. Like, yes, there were writers involved right. in songs. Like, that, like yes, but Phineas the, produced the lead of the artist, Billy, but you know the the lead artist. Yeah, exactly. And then um, we also talked to oh Harry Styles came back. Did Keith. he talk? He spoke, but he did not take questions. Yeah, he yeah. kind of gave like a second you know acceptance speech. I basically. saw that online, and I'm like, is that all you said? Did you not take questions? And yeah. that's literally it. They they told us ahead of time he's not going to take questions. I think he w- I know that he dropped an f bomb and had to be censored um, during his acceptance speech, and so I wondered if maybe he, that flustered him and he you know forgot to like thank somebody he had wanted to thank, and that's why he took that time backstage to like give one more you know heartfelt speech. I wondered what happened because I was watching the, the I was watching the show actually on my computer through CBS.com. Mm-hmm. completely authorized um <laughs> truly i mean i, I for yes. some reason my tv my cable box isn't working anyways watching through the, the computer and the his audio went out for like a chunk of his speech and i'm like did he just say something that he shouldn't have and then yeah it was it was it, it was the f word and apparently internationally they didn't censor it so his international fans on twitter were just like oh he just said like f in this like oh. no big no big deal um so yeah so i wondered if that's why he came back but it was nice to just like hear his his earnest uh, comments, especially to fans um, after winning that, winning his first Grammy. I mean, you know, One Direction was never even nominated for a Grammy. This is his first Grammy ever. Um, So it was, it was very, it was cool. I mean, honestly, I, you know, kind of ideal for me. (laughs) Like it's, I had about the same interaction I would have had with, uh, with, you know, the musicians um, and the same access. Uh, I just wasn't in the physical same room as them. So it was a, it was a cool experience I thought. And uh, like the show itself, I, I think that the recording Academy handled it really well. Um, and I, I don't know, you watch most of the show, the bulk of the show. I know billboard has given great reviews to the show. Did you have uh, strong feelings about, you know, how they pulled it off? Yeah. Well, I, so, so you say like you watched some of the show. I'm like, I actually did see the whole thing. I, I started a little late. And then I, they replayed it afterwards. So I, oh, okay. I so saw you watched it, it in- out of yes. order. Um, but I kind of went into it not knowing about some of the performances at all. And so like when the In Memoriam tribute happened, I was like, there's Lionel Richie. I didn't know he was going to be here because I missed the top of the show where they said that he was going to be performing. Mm. Um, and I'm like, oh, look, Brittany Howard didn't know. Um, oh, and look, it's Chris Martin with Brittany. Oh, that's cool. So um, kind of going into it a little bit cold was kind of fun because it was truly surprises to me. Yeah. Um, and also it it did feel like in general, most of the performances, unless they pulled a fast one on us, were actually happening yesterday at, at the show Sunday. I'm pretty sure everything but BTS happened in downtown Los Angeles 
but I wasn't sure. Like the the really big production numbers, like the ones that were outside or the Cardi and Megan one because it was so theatrical. I thought, well, maybe they taped some of these elements. But earlier. then Post is there. Yeah, but they could. And like Trevor's, and then Trevor comes up after and talks to Cardi. They could have pre-taped that. <laughs> I don't know. The, I'm naive, though, the, so this always happens. I'm like, oh, they couldn't possibly have misled us. <laughs> uh, the BTS performance, though, um, in my head, because they saved Dynamite, BTS's performance of Dynamite towards the very end of the show it was the next mm-hmm. to last performance. And in my head, I just assumed, oh, they have to be in Korea. They can't possibly be here. They started performing inside in a, in a, in the set that looks just like the Grammy set with the flowers hanging and it was the same backdrop. I'm like, well, that's interesting. I wonder, did they record it in advance or, and it seemed live. And then the only thing that started to make me wonder, Hmm, there's something wrong here was when the camera started to follow them through hallways and open through doors. I'm like, all right, maybe some of this is taped. It kind of reminded me of like the Super Bowl when the weekend went inside. I'm like, okay, is this live? I don't know what's going inside. And then he pops back out. And then I'm like, all right, fine, whatever. But then it gets really confusing. Suddenly they're on the roof of a building. And I'm like, all right, well, I guess it is dark enough at night in L.A. Could that be? But the first thing that immediately throws you off, the camera pulls back and you see a body of water behind the building. I'm like, okay, there's no water anywhere in downtown L.A. Like Downtown Los Angeles is nowhere near the beach. I'm like they, And I kept looking at the skyline. I'm like, this is not recognizable. And then Trevor Noah says, hey, they fooled you. They rebuilt the entire set in Korea. And that was all taped in Korea. I'm like, that's amazing. Yeah, it's awesome. It's amazing. I thought it was a great performance, too. And they're like, yeah, take this. The rest of the other artists who are just like, yeah, can I just phone it in from home? It's like, no, you have to yeah. rebuild the set. <laughs> Uh, but yeah I mean it it was a really I thought in general it was a really enjoyable show and I didn't mind necessarily not having an audience and panning to the crowd and cheering well it's like the audience they did have was just chock full of a-listers like you know like we were looking at the audience and you know Jay and Beyonce are sitting up front Taylor's at her table with like all of her folklore collaborators, you know, Harry was the guy that Harry hugged when he won. Was that Ben Winston who produced the show? No, I think it was I his wonder. manager maybe. Oh, it was his manager. Okay. Like, I wonder why I saw that. being hugged by Harry at his table, then he's got a lot of other, he has nothing else better to do. That's what I was thinking. Like, do you just have like a, an iPad at the table where you're producing this from? <laughs> uh, you mentioned Beyonce, by the way, she won her 20, 27th and 28th awards uh, on Sunday night, and now yes. she has the most wins among all women. She surpassed Alison Krauss, and I believe she also has the most wins among any singers. I Correct, and she tied Quincy Jones for most uh, living, most Grammys for a living artist. Um, and Beyonce just happened to be at the show. Hey, they, I mean, they fooled me. Obviously, like she, uh, we knew ahead of time that she had declined to perform. Uh, uh, Harvey Mason actually told the LA Times that over the weekend. So we knew that she, we were not going to see her perform. So I think it was just a treat for her to be there. And then obviously the way things transpired that she was able to, you know, break that record and do it on stage was, I mean, was great. You don't get Beyonce to show up unless... So, I mean, it, it, it made me suddenly start to have conspiracy theories in my brain of how they got Beyonce to show up. I have a feeling that they told her, we will tell you by X time on Sunday 
whether it's worth your while to come here but because i think mean, that they know that ahead someone of the knows premiere. who the winners are before the envelopes yeah open. like the premiere ceremony they know i feel like they know during that that area but i this is all completely just, this conjecture. Is just conjecture i don't know we have no idea yeah yes. um i i thought i'm like be, well because i did not expect her to be at the show and only when they per, they presented the rap song category as the camera was panning across the cocktail tables with all of the nominees, the last table, I'm like, is that Beyonce? Is yeah, that Jay-Z that's... with Beyonce? I'm like, what the yeah. hell? They're there? Oh, I'm like, well, then yeah. she has to be winning this award for Savage with Megan Thee Stallion. And she did. And she did. And it Amazing. was awesome. I, here's yep. my theory, and then we can move on. Harvey Mason Jr., who is the interim CEO, I believe. Yep. And also yep. had a moment during the telecast at the end where he spoke to the uh, to the crowd about um, or spoke to the, the viewers at home about um, the, the mission of the Recording Academy and maybe uh, some of the, um, I guess, uh, alterations or corrections that they are going to make in their movement as they go forward. Um, he is one half of the production team Underdogs or was and Underdogs uh, produced all the music in the film Dreamgirls in which Beyonce co-starred. I did not know that. So there's an interesting connection that uh, the head of the Recording Academy and Beyonce have together. Totally. Yeah. Thank um, you for that fun fact, Keith. You know, I'm here for, I, I got nothing but fun facts. So um, uh, so next week's episode, we'll predict who's going to win the Grammys next year, everybody. <laughs> Adele and Ed Sheeran. Yeah. Okay. They're, good call. <laughs> Rihanna. Sure. Sure. All right. Well, now it's time for the chart stat of the week. And it's Quiz Katie time. Oh, no. So with Beyonce now officially the queen of the Grammy Awards with the most wins ever by a female artist, 28. Katie, can you name the first single Beyonce ever charted with on the Billboard charts that was credited to her as a solo artist and not to her group, Destiny's Child? Okay, I've got follow-up questions. Okay. Um, can, can it be a collaboration? Nope. Well, yes, oh, it so, can be. Yes, it can be. That, I mean, that would still be technically her name as the artist. Yeah. Okay. So my my guess then is, uh, what is it? Oh, three Bonnie and Clyde with Jay-Z. Eh. Oh, well, so I remember when, oh, we're doing Billboard charts, period. Yes. See, I was thinking Hot 100 because I remember she had her Austin Powers song by herself. Is that the one? Can you name this um, track that you speak of? Yep. I'm coming. I'm coming with it. I just remember that song not doing particularly well, and I don't think it ever hit the Hot 100. Um, Work It Out? That is correct. Work It Out from the movie Austin Powers in Gold Member, in which she co-starred with Mike Myers as the character Foxy Cleopatra. Yes. Now, the track didn't reach the Hot 100 or most of our charts, uh, but it did hit the Hot Dance Club songs chart, peaking at number 11 on the September 14th, 2002 dated chart. Her next charting hit is probably more familiar, and it was Katie's first guest, 03 Bonnie and Clyde. Because that was on the Hot 100, right? Oh, yeah. it was. A, so it's a Jay-Z song that features Beyonce. It debuted on the charts later that year uh, and sailed to number four on the Hot 100 and number five on the Hot R&B Hip Hop Songs chart. So, I'm taking this as a win. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 sort of. Um, so there you have it. There. A little chart history about the queen of the Grammys, Beyonce, and her very first solo hit on the Billboard charts. We've reached the end of our big shoe. Um, 
And again, we had a longer than normal show. It's Always. Grammys. Well, you know, when we can't talk to each other, we just, we talk. <laughs> this is what happens. This, this is what happens. We don't sit next to one another, <laughs> and we get to virtually sit next to one another once a week on this show. Mm-hmm. And I'm very thankful for it. Same. Um, sadly, though, our uh, our streak that we had, our hot streak with our annual Grammy Awards preview guest. Oh, Harry Connick Jr. Harry, did not uh, win this year. He lost James, to James Taylor. Taylor. But with another podcast. Of the podcast. <laughs> it's all right. We went two years. We had uh, Phineas last year and, and Casey Musgraves the year before. They both yep. won. Yep. So... <laughs> Listen, we can't do it all. So if we if we come to you next year and ask you to be on the show, don't hold this against us. Yeah, <laughs> and we're sorry, Harry. We're sorry, Harry. <laughs> Katie still loves you dearly. I do. And James Taylor did not pop into the Zoom press room. So <laughs> I was I'm actually, just saying. I was kind of surprised that Lady Gaga and Ariana Grande weren't there either when they won for best pop uh, duo collaboration. <laughs> Ariana was trying to like wake Gaga up to tell her that they won. <laughs> True, she's some she was somewhere in Italy. Yeah. Um, all right. So what song should we go out on, Katie? Oh my gosh. Um. Maybe some more, uh, like, old-school Beyonce. Uh, um, sure. <laughs> Did you want, like, an old-school Destiny's Child song? Well, I was going to say, I guess it's not that old-school. I was going to say Crazy in Love, her first proper solo single from her debut album. Yes, and her first number one on the Billboard Hot 100 chart. Even better. Uh, all right, see you guys next time. Bye. Bye.